Episode 19 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast takes off now. Hello, AB Nation. My name is Dave Herwig, a single multi-engine commercial pilot and CFI. My aviation story started much different than most. I jumped from airplanes instead of flying them, serving in the U.S. Army-famed 82nd Airborne Division. I didn't start flying until about six years ago, just prior to retiring from the U.S. Army, where I was a member of the U.S. Army Parachute Team, the Golden Knights. As a demonstrator on the team, I was fortunate to travel all over, performing at air shows, sporting events, and many cool places like the White House. In my short time as a pilot, I've had many unique opportunities, like take a flight in an F-16, an extra 300, and jump from Whiskey 7, currently the only flying DC-3 that flew into DTA. I have just over 1,700 hours, and this is my story. What is going on, Aviation, and welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Today, I'm talking with one of my favorite flight instructors, GK Dave, also known as Dave Herwig. Dave has a really great story. Dave didn't start flying until he was 42 years old. And once he started flying, it only took him 17 days and 40 hours to get his private pilot license. Now that's getting it done as fast as possible. I want to go ahead and just tell everyone that it's not too late to get into aviation. Dave started at 42. You could start at 43 or 44. And big news with Dave is he just got hired by a regional airline. So you are never too old to get into this industry or to start your training. Some of the other cool things that we talk about in this episode are how being stranded on Lake Erie led to Dave's love for aviation, how and why he became an Army Golden Knight. We talk about how he struggled grasping instrument training and how he was able to fly a turbine aircraft with only 250 hours. I don't know of many people that are able to fly a turbine with only 250 hours. It took me about a thousand hours before I got to sit right seat in a turbine. So that is awesome. Guys, his story is truly incredible. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the Patreon supporters. If you want to support me on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash pilot the pilot. Hit up our shop, shop shop.pilotthepilothq.com or leave us a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you guys. I love creating this podcast for you guys. And if you are interested in being on this podcast, let me know. Email me at pilotthepilothq at gmail.com. I hope you guys have a great day and I hope you truly enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here's Dave. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming on the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. I'm glad we could get this figured out. I've been following your account for a while, so I'm really excited to tell your story. It's uh, not that big a deal, but that's pretty cool. I appreciate <laughs> it. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. Everyone has an interesting story and posts cool pictures on Instagram. Yeah, they, uh, I try. I, uh, I'm not that great a photographer. My photography skills well, mostly came from uh, well, skydiving freefall photographer, so... Well, that's pretty cool. Not many people can say they're a free fall photographer. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, cool. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, why did you want to get into aviation? Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know, to be honest. I, I sit and think about it. And I know when I was growing up, I always, you know, looked at the skies like planes, saw them, you know, and it was pretty cool. And when I was a young kid, I was in the Boy Scouts. We got stranded on uh, Lake Erie up at Putin Bay. Uh, we went in there for a camp. Uh, a weekend of camping and it was in the middle of April, I think it was. And we, uh, got stranded with 10 foot swells, 10, 15 foot swells on the lake and pulled all our money together. And some guy flew us off the island to get back on the mainland. And, uh, that's when I kind of figured, you know, this is, this is pretty cool, you know, being an airplane. Uh, but didn't really pursue it. And I got in the army, I joined the army right out of high school. And I told the recruiter all I wanted to do was jump out of airplanes and, that's all I did for 
20 some years in the army and uh back uh, right after 9-11 i was going to put my application to join uh, go to flight school for the army and a lot of things happened 9-11 uh divorce child custody and got hurt the big thing got hurt uh so it sat me down. You know, all my army aviators are telling me to go to flight school, and I just kept putting it off. And then I got hurt, and that was the end of that. But yeah. I always had that passion. And then uh, about two years before I retired, I was like, "Man, I need to do this." And uh, I just happened to be around people who fly. You know, my my boss was a pilot. My buddy was a pilot. I was around arm, the best aviators in the army all day, every day, learning. You know. Uh, I was on the Army parachute team, Gold Knights, for many years, and uh, I'd sit up in the cockpit and just soak it all in. You know, I was in the jump seat of a Fokker F-27. I don't know if you're not sure what those are, but not many of them run around. No. Uh, yeah, so I'd be in that, uh, sitting there, going across country from East Coast to West Coast with the best aviators, and I'd just ask them questions all the time. They're like, you need to put your packet in. And, you know, I just never did because of the those issues. But, uh, so towards the end of the, my time in the army, I, uh, said, you know what? I got to do it. I'm going to do it now. And, uh, there was a moment, a time where the GI bill was going to pay for private. And a week before I was supposed to start flying cause it was uh, like a week before October, then to September, uh, the new fiscal year, you would be able to start using your GI bill. And, uh, they called and said, Hey, uh, the flight school said, we're not not going to be able to do it now. They, they canceled that whole program. I'm like, oh. yeah. so I, uh, I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do it. And I put my money down and just went ahead and did what I could. Uh, I paid for it out of my pocket as fast as I could and, uh, got my private and took a few months off and started working on the rest of my ratings. I enjoyed being a private pilot for a little while. and just kept, couldn't stop. And, uh, work my way up to CFI and love every minute of it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's cool to sometimes, like you said, just like life happens. Like you got hurt, you had other circumstances that kind of affected your decision to start training when you wanted to. Um, did you ever regret not training earlier, or do you think that, or did you think it was possible that you could have done it earlier, or did you? Are you glad how everything worked out? Oh yeah, I regret it big time because back uh, in 1990. Uh, 91, I think when I came back from the Gulf War, I uh, made it a goal. I was going to learn to skydive or I was going to go learn to fly at that time. And uh, I had a brochure for skydiving and a brochure for flight training. And on Fort Bragg at the time, you could get your work on your private pilot license for $25 an hour what? with instructor. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know exactly, right? Oh, how the times have changed. Oh, I know. And, uh, and I had a call from the guy that was going to teach me to skydive. And I was like, all right. And never looked back. Uh, so that's one thing I kind of regret. I wish I had done both. I uh, I wanted to. Uh, uh, I should have took up flying. All right, God knows where I'd be right now. You know, uh, but that's the only thing I regret. But I mean, I I'm here now and I'm doing it and loving it every minute of it. For sure. And no, I'm glad you you made the decision to get into aviation. And it's really cool that you did it later in life as well because it's it's possible for anyone. I mean. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. that any age you are. If you have a goal to learn how to fly, you can do it. There's, yeah. I mean, aside from getting medicals, there's really not much stopping you. No, not at all. I've got students that are 14 years old. I got about six that are six under 17. I got two that are 14. I've got one 12 year old, and I've got three students that are 60, 60 years and older. 
That's awesome. So, They've just always yeah. wanted to be a pilot and now the time has worked out for yeah. them to be a pilot. That's cool. Yep. That's awesome. So going back to your story about at Putin Bay, was that the first time you ever flew in an airplane? Uh, yeah. Uh, in a small plane. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I, I was a military brat. My dad was in the Marine Corps, so we've traveled quite a bit yeah. on, you know, the big airliners, but, uh, I'd never been in a small plane before. That was pretty cool. Uh, and it was just, uh, I think I was, I don't know, maybe 10, between 10 and 12 years old, somewhere around in there. And then how old were you when you actually started your aviation training? 30, no, I'm sorry, 42 years old. 42. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we said earlier, there's no better time to get in aviation than right now. Yeah, exactly. And especially right now with the way the, you know, the pilot shortage that's happening and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a great time. Every day, is, I mean, you can you should get in flying no matter what, yeah. how old you are, what your life is, the one right now. Yeah, if it's uh, something you want to do, definitely go for it. Yeah, always go follow your dreams. Don't ever put them off. Uh, that's always been my motto. If it's something I wanted, everybody tells me, you know, why are you jumping out of airplanes? You're too old or, uh, you know, you got kids, that type thing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you got better op- you got a better chance of getting hurt or getting killed in a car than you are in flying, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just follow your dreams. That's, yep. that's the biggest thing. Live life to the fullest, go after what you want and be as happy as you can. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of want to talk about the Golden Knights a little bit and skydiving because I don't think sure. I've ever had anyone on that has done <laughs> what you've done. So it's really cool. What was the process in becoming a Golden Knight? Like, how did that all happen? Did you learn how to skydive before and then you had to get a certain amount of, of dives before you could join? Did you have to try out? What all What all took place? Yeah, um, well, you have to be in the Army, of course, um, and then you have to have 150 skydives already, so you have to come knowing how to jump. Uh, the thing about the Golden Knights is well, we can take anybody and turn them into a demonstrator and show them how to jump by an airplane and perform. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest thing is you got to have the right people skills. you got to be a people person. Um, you got to be able to take criticism because yeah. we – it, it, just like the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds, it, we're pretty much considered on that level. Yeah. Uh, as far as the way we were treated on the Air Show Network, and uh, but uh, you got to be able to take criticism. We debrief. It can be brutal. It can be really brutal. <laughs> but uh, so during the tryout program, you submit your application. The team looks at it. You get recommendations from other people in the skydiving community. Uh, uh, some army recommendations. And then you uh, you submit it. You come to tryouts. It's about an eight-week program. Uh, toughest thing I ever did. Uh, and most people are like, oh, you're just jumping on airplanes. That's got to be fun all day long. <laughs> uh, well, when you're getting up at 4 a.m. and going running for 6 to 10 miles every morning yeah. and going to bed at 2 a.m., it's not fun. Yeah, you don't. they don't understand the, the behind-the-scenes work that needs to be. Because I'm sure you can't just be an average Joe jumping out of a plane with all everything that you guys are doing. Oh, no. I mean, it's like you get up, you're, you're nonstop going all day long for eight weeks. And you're getting critiqued. You're getting peer reports you're you're doing things from every minute to from the time you get up to the time you put your head on the bed uh you're doing something every minute's counted for uh once you make it through the tryout program i started out with 27 people in our tryouts uh only 12 of us made it and uh then you go to the team you go to winter training your first year and uh winter training is another eight weeks and uh, if you make it through that, you're pretty much a Golden Knight. Uh, you made it. How many Golden Knights are there? Uh, anywhere from 80 to 95 people at any given time. There's okay. no set number. Uh, 
some years we had three people make the teams. Other years we had 10 people make it. Uh, it all depends on what's going on, how many people we need. We don't take a, there's no set number that we have to have. Uh, we'll take quality over quantity any day. For sure. And then do you guys just rotate on air shows that you go to? How many people do they bring to a certain air show? Well, you have two teams. You have black demonstration team and then the gold demonstration team. Okay. And there's uh, 12 members on each demonstration team. And then you would have your, the flight crew and the, uh, yeah, every once in a while you bring a tandem team with you, uh, to do the tandems. So you would have about anywhere from 12 or eight to 17 people average on a, on a show. Uh, and you go every single weekend you're in a different city throughout the United States and overseas. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I was on the road about 285 days a year. Oh, wow. My second year, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sure, I'm sure it's cool in the fact that you probably got to see a lot of stuff, but I'm sure family life and personal life kind of took a hit. But it's, oh, yeah, uh, two divorces. Yeah, the things you do for the things you love sometimes, right? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. And everybody knew, uh, both uh, my well, both my wife, my ex-wife, they knew what I was doing before I started. So yeah. Uh, I did it because it was a good opportunity. Uh, it, it works out. It all works out in the end. I mean, it's just uh, the opportunities and the, the the things you get to do that you would never get to do. Uh, it all weighed in and was good. Um, my kids, you know, I had more time, believe it or not, with my kids being on the team than I would have if I was in the regular army, especially when the wars kicked off. You know, everybody was deploying. We were deploying, you know, two, three times in a row, you know, a couple years at a time, or a year at a time and go yeah. and come a few months, turn around and go right back. So, uh, although I wasn't home every day, I was home at least once a, you know, a couple of days a week. Yeah. You know? And you had that time completely off to spend time with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of exactly. like a, a pilot schedule in a way where oh, yeah. like you miss a lot of stuff, but you're also there for stuff that other people won't be there for because your schedule is just You'll have complete days off, so you can go to lunch with your kid. You can pick them up from school. You can you you have a certain block of time where you can just devote all your time to them. Yeah, I uh, we typically would leave on a Thursday or Friday, come back on a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, have a couple of days off, and then turn around and go right back out. There was times where we'd be gone for you know two weeks, three weeks at a time. I think one trip I did thirty five days on a straight uh, on the road. Wow. Uh, I went from East Coast to West Coast and back. That's intense. Uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy, but it's fun. I mean, you enjoyed it. Uh, not everything was always that great. I mean, you're not always in the best places. But, <laughs> For sure. Uh, Once uh, again, just like being a pilot, you're not always yeah. having the glamorous overnights. You're not always having the best trips, flying through the best weather. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was times where you go and they treat you like kings, and the other places you go and you're in this – we used to do this small town in, in North Dakota, and it – population of maybe 200 people oh no <laughs> and uh they would have they had a can out there for uh taking donations to help pay for us to be there <laughs> oh man that's sad but that's cool that yeah. they still wanted you that bad that they were willing oh, yeah. to do whatever it took yeah exactly we ended up putting a lot of money in the cans ourselves yeah. Just, uh, I know, right? yeah but uh but i mean it's all good it all worked out and uh you know i had a great time um uh, you know i i, I jumped in places that you wouldn't think of. I'm one of only a few people that's ever jumped over the White House. That's cool. Um, yeah, I've jumped into all kinds of football, pros, college, sports events. Did you ever jump at any Ohio State football games? That is the one thing I never got to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm from Ohio. Okay. 
yeah, Northern Ohio, up nice. near Cleveland. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually, I don't know if you knew this, but I played football at Ohio State. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. We got a, one of my Gold Knight teammates. She uh, she went to college at Ohio State Yeah, when she got out, and uh, she kept trying to get us to come there to do a demonstration. To that would have been really the- cool. Yeah, I always wanted to jump the Ohio-Michigan game. Oh, man, that would have been so cool. I have one more question to ask you about the Golden Knights. Is there a difference between the gold team or the gold squad and the black squad? Is it like varsity JV or team one and team two, or are they about the same? We're exactly the same. And the reason why there's two teams that we can be in two different cities every weekend. Nice. Yeah, and we're the Army's uh, recruiting tool. Um it's just like the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels. Exactly, we're the only three sanctioned Department of Defense teams, uh, meaning that the Department of Defense is uh, backs them, supports them. Um, funding all comes from the Department of Defense for those for those teams. Gotcha. Yep. Well, let's go back to your uh, flight training. So you were 42 when you started training, and you said it took you about a month and a half to get your private pilot license, right? Yeah, I started, uh, if you look at my logbook, it says uh, about 17 days total. 17 uh, days total to get your private. Yeah. yeah. That's I, a, you must I, have flown as much as possible. Yeah. When I found out that I was going to do this, I took two weeks off of work. I took two weeks vacation, leave, and uh, that's all I did. I went spent my days at the airport. Well, say, uh, did you live at the airport? Did you sleep there too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I pretty much did. Uh, get up, go there, make two flights, in the, make a flight in the morning, make a flight in the afternoon, uh, do what I could to get it done as fast as I could. The only thing that held me up was weather. Yeah. And, and I had a instructor flight school issue, uh, which is a whole nother. And, and I, I, now as a flight instructor, uh, it really makes me mad what happened to me. But, uh, uh and I hear about it all, that kind of stuff all the time. But, um, yeah, I would have had it done a lot sooner if it weren't yeah. for that. There's a lot of outside factors that can affect your training. I mean, it's not yeah. all on you. That's one of the, that's one of the things why I preach is that you need to do, like do everything as fast and as safe as you can because you never know when that two week stretch of low IFR is going to come in or the bad weather or you trained in North Carolina, the hurricanes in the summer or the late summer and the early fall, like you never know what's going to happen. So you yeah. need to do everything as fast as possible because like you said, even um something from a flight school issue, it could be maintenance, it could be a flight instructor and flight schools have issues. So you just, it's really up to you to do everything as fast as possible. And that's crazy that you did it in two weeks. How many hours did you have total when you took your private? Do you remember? I I had forty hours exactly. Oh no way! That's crazy. Yeah. So you were like the legit, like the minimum, like the FAA minimum. You took it right when you could. Yep. Yeah. I t- I actually had thirty nine point seven, I think, and I had to go out and fly just the day before, just so I could get the uh, uh, the forty hours. That's before awesome. Check ride. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I I look at it the same way, and I tell all my students that too. Is, don't drag this out. You're going to spin your wheels. You're spending money. Uh, yeah, if you don't have the money, you know, it's, it's if you're going to make a career out of it, I'd suggest, you know, get the money, go do it as fast as you can. If you don't, don't have the money and you're not going to make a career out of it, just try to do as much as you can as, as fast as possible because you end up wasting more time and more money by doing by oh, dragging sure. it out. Yeah, you because you're going to have to repeat lessons. You're being a exactly. pilot is all about maintaining standards and, and like proficiency. You have, yeah proficiency yeah. and you have to meet the standards that are set by the FAA to pass these check rides and it does right. like there's no like it's a pass or fail there's no like oh well I heard he did it good on this day no you have to perform on your check ride and right. so you need right. to be at standard and at proficiency and you you're going to struggle doing that if you keep taking days off right and uh, I've seen that every day as an instructor or guys are I've got Oh, I don't know how many students I've got total right now, but I've got a couple that 
the great pilots uh, and he's getting ready. One of them was getting ready to take his check ride and he would come in and man, he'd nail everything. Be great. And I wouldn't see him again for three or four weeks. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? You're wasting your time. Yeah. And he's one of the handful of students I have that are over 40 hours before they're going to take the check ride. Everybody else is under 40 hours. You know, um, it's crazy. Uh, how, but the difference is I got guys that come in two, three times a week as opposed to, you know, once every few weeks and uh, you can see a big difference. Yeah. Would you say that there is like, would you say the younger kids are more motivated than the older, the older students no. you have? No, no, no. Uh, and I've got the younger kids that I have one student, his dad owns the plane. I train him in his dad's plane. And this kid, he soloed in, uh, I'm looking at the thing, November of last year. And he just got done doing his long cross country. Oh man. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you can yeah. be out here every day. No problem. You, you know? have the resources that not many other people have. Take advantage yep. of them. I've got another student, his dad's willing to, and this is really, he budgets $3,000 a month for him to do his flight training. Oh wow. I don't like, you could be done in a month and a half. Yeah. That's and more than what some up. people make in a, in a month. And you have that yeah, year. Exactly. That's crazy. Uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy, and but but the, here's the thing about the younger students: they learn, they pick it up so much easier. Yeah, the older older students they take a little bit longer, but the uh, I think the age between 25 and 35 ish, somewhere around there, maybe even 40, they they're really they their training is good. They got the mindset to come in and get it done. That may take them a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, but they get it done. Uh, whereas the younger kids, they pick it up quicker, but they drag it out longer. Yeah, which is kind of a shit. Well, I mean, everyone should get it done as fast as possible, but especially the younger kids that are have the ability to be really high in the seniority and have the yeah. ability to get these jobs right now. It's a perfect time to get into aviation. So they're the ones that really need to be on their A game, even though they might think they have 50 years until they can retire. It's like you need to start right. go now. Right, right. Um but yeah, I got I got older gentleman that he comes in every day <laughs> just to hang out, you know. That's he, awesome. He, he just got his got his check ride done, and uh, he's was a motivator for me to keep going because you get in the plane with him, and he's just so excited about it. Um, he just he was just one of his good things was he, he would say all the time when he'd get on the ground, he'd run around the backside of the of the school here, and he'd raise his fist up, going, "Oh yes, wait a guess, I love this," you know, <laughs> and. Um, you just picture me raising my hands up, you know, yelling and screaming. That's what yeah, he's like. That's um, really cool. That's uh, it's it's really encouraged. Like you said, he encouraged you to keep going. It's like be yeah. happy, be joyful. You don't know the impact yeah. you can have on the people around you in aviation because sometimes you can be down and be low on yourself. You're not flying as well. You don't get to fly as well. So really, spend time at yep. the airport. Like like I was there every single day. Be around it as much as possible. Yep. You learn more too. And then he's in his. He's a retired teacher, school teacher. Taught ninth grade, and. Uh, he uh in his late 50s and he's just so excited he was just in here this morning and he says i'm gonna go over overnight down to myrtle beach is that okay i'm like you go for it man (laughs) (laughs) you're a private pilot now you can do what you want to do do. (laughs) yeah you don't have to ask me just don't do anything bad because my name's on the line (laughs) that's awesome so your private pilot training you did it in 40 hours and then you said you took about a month to a month and a half off for your instrument did your instrument go really fast as well or did that take more time or did you really sit down and try to get that done as fast as possible as well 
Well, my goal was to get it done fast. Uh, didn't work out that way. Uh, I went while well, still on the team on the Golden Knights at the time, and we go to winter training down in Homestead, Florida, Southern Florida, south of Miami. And I flew. My, I bought a plane the day I got my pilot's license. By the way. Oh, nice. What'd you buy? <laughs> oh, Piper Warrior. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And it's for sale. It's for sale right now. So. <laughs> if anyone wants to buy it, I'll put a link yeah, in exactly. the description that they can contact you. <laughs> uh, it was a great plane. Uh, so I flew my plane down to Homestead Air Force Base, was our air reserve base actually, uh, and got to land my plane. Uh, it's the same airport. Homestead was a plane they use, the airport they would use for the shuttle to land on back in the day. No way. That's awesome. Yes. So it's like, what, 12,000-foot runway yeah. or something like that? You could land, take off, land, take off, land, take yeah. off like five times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I was doing night training, I could take my night currency on one, one, one path. Yeah, and <laughs> one go. That's the way to go. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we went, went down there and did my flight training and started my instrument down there. Uh, that was in January of the after I got my pilot license. And uh, I thought it was going great. I just, uh, I just I couldn't grasp it. I don't know what it was, but I just could not grasp the whole concept. And I don't know if it was the instructor, if it was just me or what, but uh, I got really bummed out. I couldn't do it. Uh, um, and so I took a break. You know, I was, I was getting, my head was just getting, it was like, I don't know what it was. I just really couldn't tell you. It holds, you know, were an issue, of course, like everybody. Uh, but I just didn't understand some of the other stuff that was going on. And, uh, and so I took a break from it. I said, I need to take a break. I'm trying to do this way too quick. I was trying to do it in the three months that we were going to be down there. And it was just going way too fast for me. Uh, so I took a break and then I retired and uh, moved to Dallas for a job and got out there and said, you know what? I got to get this done. And uh, went to a flight school in Addison Airport and got it done in two months and finished it out. So really, it, in a way, it was fast. but not really, yeah. you know, not as fast as I wanted it. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, instruments, that's a whole different type of flying than you were doing yeah. when you're private pilot license. So it does come down a little bit to the type and the quality of instructor you have because they're the ones that are giving you the information. Like you have outside sources you can go to as well. Like now YouTube is huge. I know there's tons of things you can do on YouTube. You can do m0a.com. There's other online materials that you can do right now. But really it comes down, like a lot of it comes down to your instructor and how they present you that information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I had a, it was a good buddy of mine that I flew with in the army. Well, uh, he was on the team with me and he was a crew chief. He was in his flight instructor as well. And he, he was teaching me and, uh, one of our pilots was teaching me and it just, I, I had a lot going on during that time or was working and then we get off work and we jump right into the plane and go. And, uh, so it's just, it was just probably not the best time for me yeah. to do it. Uh, but a guy got out to Dallas and did it in, like, I said, like two and a half, three months. And, uh, you know, like instructor, I had an instructor I did not like what one bit. And if I had a parachute, I probably would have punched him, knocked him out, and jumped out of the airplane. <laughs> just, it was that bad. Man. It happens, uh, definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of different kind of personalities in aviation. So Yeah, exactly. But uh, I finished it out, got that, and then uh, just so happened I, re I ended up moving back to Fort Bragg area, back to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, got back here and uh, went right immediately into commercial training. And... Uh, Got my single and multi-engine commercial ratings uh, right away, uh, which was pretty simple. Uh, the easiest, I think, the easiest rating to get commercial, um, and it's fun, you know. Yeah, I would agree. The commercial rating was by far my favorite rating. I loved yeah. 
pretty much every maneuver that there was. I hated eights on pylons, but I loved every other maneuver. Really? Yeah. That's the easiest one out of all I of know. them. I <laughs> know. I just thought it was, I just didn't understand why. Like I thought it was pointless. I thought that the fact that if I picked two bad points, I could fail my check ride just on the points I picked. Like I could still fly yeah. the plane perfectly well, but I picked two points that I'm never going to have to pick ever again in my career. But I understand. Well, honestly, out of all the commercial maneuvers, which one do you think you probably have ever used as a commercial pilot? Uh, let's see. None of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe steep turns over, yeah. you know, if it's shooting video for somebody or camera work. Or, that's true. I know. did fly aerial survey, yeah. so I definitely had some steep turns yeah. in my life then. You but go. Yeah, I loved uh, Lazy 8s, or my flight instructor would call them Crazy 8s. We would have a lot of yeah. fun with those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I got those right away. I got my multi-engine. Uh, that was a pretty easy and then uh got looking for a job of course right and uh uh you know nobody wants to hire a, a 250 hour commercial pilot anywhere <laughs> right? yeah insurance does not make that yeah. easy yeah exactly <laughs> especially here in Fayetteville North Carolina there's not a lot of opportunities right so, uh, I got lucky and uh uh the skydiving drop zone here at Rayford's pretty well known in the skydiving community uh, knew a lot of people there and got hired over there and started flying skydivers right afterwards. So nice. So cool. Yeah. Uh, flew the uh, caravan and the pack 750. I'm not sure if you know what that is. No, I don't. It's, um, uh, Norwegian, I think. Okay. Uh, or it might be, uh, somewhere over there. They make, it's a low wing, uh, turbine airplane. Um, it's about 15 people in it. That's uh, really pretty cool. cool plane. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty cool plane. Uh, flew that for a while and skydiving community is, is you think being a skydiver myself, I would have loved it. Not really. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's good flying hours. Yeah. It's a good way to build your hours, but you're not building cross country. You're not uh -uh. building night. You're not building IMC time. Uh, and you're sitting on the, at, at there all day long. And if nobody shows up, you're not flying, you know? And, uh, wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to fly, you know? So, for uh, sure, I think every pilot wants to fly, especially when you have 250 yeah. hours, but it's also cool that you got to fly caravans and you got to fly some turbine aircrafts at such a low time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that was awesome. I couldn't, you know, have that 200, I got over 200 hours of turbine time and, uh, there's not many people that low flight time that have turbine time like that. No, and uh, sure. I learned a lot. I learned a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I probably learned more in that, that time that I worked there flying than I did anywhere else. Well, besides before I became a flight instructor, of course, but, yeah. uh, so I ended up, uh, flying there. And then, then, uh, at the same time, I'm on a, we're a bunch of us old golden Knights created a, a parachute team. And so I'll be, I was, you know, jumping as well and traveling and doing shows like that still. And, uh, I got hurt again. Oh no. <laughs> What do you yeah. say? You got, what would happen when you got hurt? Was it just like when you landed, you would hurt your legs, or was there anything like major or anything? Yeah, I broke my uh, tibia plateau, uh, which is like the top of your where your tibia and your femur meet together. Yeah, yeah. That sounds painful. It was. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> How did it happen? So, did it happen when you landed? Yeah, it was a landing that just freak accident. Nothing, nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that set me down for quite a few months, and that was. That bummed me out more than anything because I couldn't fly. Yep. Because uh, that's when you, you had all the hours and you knew that you wanted yeah. to start building them, but you had the broken leg that was keeping you from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, 
I got really, really bummed out. I was like, I'm sitting here with my buddy who flies my plane with me. I'll let him fly it all the time. And, and I was like, dude, come get me. I can't drive, but <laughs> I'm getting up in that plane. And you're going to fly it, and I'm going to sit in the right seat, and we're just going to go fly around because I need something to keep me motivated. Right. So there's a picture, I think, on Instagram with me on top of the plane in crutches. <laughs> no, that's really funny. Um, hey, you got to do but, what you got to uh, do to keep flying, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, I couldn't legally fly, but right. uh, but at least I was in the air. In the air, around people that like flying. Someone yeah. That keep you kind of yep. going. Yeah. And uh, so during that time, I was, I got, you know, I got a lot of friends in aviation around here that, you know, that I just, I'm just lucky, you know, because they, I got guys that are best aviators in the army. Uh, I've got friends that are, um, around certain people that connections, you know, and one of them was, uh, he works, uh, right next to the, the VA office for, uh, uh, vocational rehab for the VA. And, and, uh, he was telling me, you should go get your CFI. And the vocational rehab will pay for it. And I was like, what? Nice. And uh, I was like, okay. So I started studying while I'm sitting on the couch doing nothing else. And uh, ended up decided to go do my CFI. And I went down to uh, Florida to get that done. That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, nice to have other people pay for stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, back up. All my training except for my private has been paid for by the GI Bill. Yeah, uh, and I talked with uh, I had Captain Snoopy on, who's that's his Instagram yep. name, but he um, flew Blackhawks. You, you know, he's we're right here together. Yeah, right? I was just actually putting that together in my mind. I was like, wait, he's in that area too. <laughs> Do you guys yeah, well, know each we other? Fly together. We fly. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, nice. quite a bit. He, that's he awesome. He flies plane all the time. That's really cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, GI Bill. I mean, if, if you're a veteran and you've got it and you want to fly, get private. And then go get enrolled and get that thing. You can knock it out in no time. Uh, and if yeah. if you got a disability rating, the even better option is the vocational rehab. And a lot of people don't know about it, but you have uh, well, my cap is different depending on what you, where you're going to get this or not. But uh, and it can be raised. But my cap, uh, GI Bill caps out, I think at twelve thousand a year, which which okay. isn't. I mean, you're like, well, okay, <laughs> that sounds great. But when you start adding in the college costs, the flying portion, you really don't, you barely make it for a rating and you probably won't get your whole rating and you only do that one rating a year, you know? Yeah. Flying is very expensive. So that doesn't, it yeah. sounds like a lot at first, but like you said, that's one yeah. rating pretty much. Yeah. If you're lucky, because if you've got to take, because you've got to associate it with a college program yeah, to pay for the college classes as well, gotcha. uh, you don't, it's not just for flight training. Uh, whereas the vocational rehab, the same thing. However, the cap is sometimes triple what the GI bill is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can go and get all your ratings hundred percent paid for. And that's how I got my CFI and I could have got my MEI and my double I all with it also. But, uh, you do, you do the rating at one semester at a time. Uh, but it pays for a hundred percent. That's and, incredible. Uh, yeah, uh, it was awesome. I've been so fortunate. I mean, yeah, I, I spent 24 years in the army to get all this, but uh, it's still I'm very fortunate right. to be able to, you know. And you don't have to spend 24 years in the army to get the GI bill either, right? Nope, you can come in for uh, I think it's now it's three years. Yeah, and I think they're changing that again. Uh, not sh I haven't kept up on it, but it used to be as long as you're in three years, you get your GI bill. I'm sure those three years can go pretty fast, especially when it gives you twelve thousand dollars a year to help pay for college. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, three years goes by really quick. 20 years went by really quick in the army. I couldn't believe I did 20 years. And was, uh, I loved every minute of it. That's awesome. Uh, I'd go back tomorrow. North Korea has been talking all the talk about North Korea. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, hey, we need you back. Yeah. We're like, all Where right, let's go. go. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can fly now, right? Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, let's go back to your skydiving a little bit. When you, yeah. so you got the job of skydiving and then you realized after that, it wasn't for you. Did you flying or no skydiving? Flying for the skydiving, you didn't want to yeah. do that. So then you did you always know you wanted to be a CFI, or did you think you were just going to do fifteen hundred hours of flying at the skydiving place to get your hours and move on? That's exactly. I thought, well, I'll, I'll stay here and fly till I get my fifteen, and then move on because there was a guy that was working there. That's what he did. Yeah, and uh, I didn't want to be a CFI. I was like, man, I don't think I could teach anybody to fly. I don't know enough, and. Uh, and at the time I was like, there's no way, you know? And then, uh, after talking to my friends, they're like, do it, do it, do it. And I'm like, well, that's the only way I'm going to get my hours to get that magic number. And, uh, cause there's, there's no way, there's nothing here to work to get your, uh, your flight time around here. Yeah. You have to be very flexible and, when you're a new commercial pilot and wanting to yeah. move to build your time really fast. And so I said, you know what, I'll do it. And it just so happened that, I did it, got hired right after I got my instructor. I fell, I, I fell into the school that I am where I'm working at and it's been awesome. That's I awesome. mean, yeah, I love every minute of it. Uh, I don't know if I could do this the rest of my life uh, right. because of the hours, yeah. uh, but, uh, and the school mad, they don't want me to leave. They, <laughs> they're like, can you stay? Don't go. We know you want to go to the airlines, but can you stay? <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard to find. I mean, it's not hard to find instructors right now, but it's hard to find quality instructors that are really good at their job and really love it. Because a lot of people now, and I mean, this is just from my own personal experience and what I saw, a lot of people just use it as a time building experience. They're not really as worried as their, about their students. And so they just try right. to, they don't, I mean, I'm sure they're still like, I'm sure that some of them are still really good instructors still, but a lot of them don't focus on their students as much. And it's more about how they can get their time as fast as possible and get out. Right. Exactly. And I've seen that a lot. And, uh, I mean, I want my hours, of course, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, uh, when I take, when I in fact last week, when I took, uh, one of my students to get his check ride, the examiner's like, why are you here I'll, every single time? I'm like <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm supposed to do. He goes, you're the only instructor that does that. I'm like, well, my goal is to help him become a pilot. And I'm going to see him through all the way to the end. Right. So that's why I'm here. And I will be here for him even afterwards. That's you know, good. I've got, kind of, you know, I, I'm not one of those that, uh, you know, when I, I tell my students is, uh, do not be in charge until the prop spins. Right. Uh, and uh, when it stops, you're off the clock. That's awesome. And it, and, uh, you know, I'll spend two, three hours with somebody and, you know, it's not about the money. It's about getting them to become a pilot and, you know, giving them much as, as much as I know and, and feeding it to them and let them become a good pilot as well. Yeah. Um, and that's the way, you know, I, in fact, I don't know if most people aren't going to believe this, but I've had students come in. I had one student came in from Germany, home on leave from the Air Force. 15 days, he got his pilot's license from zero to 40 in 15 days. That's awesome. He literally had to go fly off his time to get to the 40 hours. That's pretty incredible. And Not many people can get get it done in that. And that has to be a testament to your skills as a flight instructor as well. Well, it's not about skill. It's more of be willing to work with the student. You yeah. know, I was here at 6 o'clock in the morning every day to work with him. Um, and he got it done in 50. He paid 
$5,300 was his total cost. Yeah, see, getting it done as fast as possible can really make stuff cheap. Yep. I think the average is closer to 9000 now. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of people. And I had a guy come in today. He's got over 40 hours. He's coming in from somewhere else up in Maine. And he's got over 40 hours already. And I said, did you, how many times did you solo? And I looked through the logbook and they only sold like two times flights. Never been on a cross country. And I'm thinking, what the heck? He's got 40 hours and he's never been on a cross country. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, and I got another student came down from Savannah that uh, he got stationed here and he's, he's got 60 some hours. He's got probably close to 25 hours of cross country time and none of it was logged as signed off by the CFI. Really? That's unfortunate. Yeah. Why would you fly 50 miles to, he said, well, we just went there to do touch and goes and do pattern work. Like, yeah. are you kidding? <laughs> you know, that's cross country, right, man? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I was, uh, and that, that irks me. I get so mad when I see stuff like that and I see it all the time. Uh, it just, you know, that your job is to see if I to teach them, you know, for sure. Yeah, if, you're not, not, not make it a money pit. No, you know? and that's you're not going to make a lot of money as a CFI. So don't, it's not even worth trying. It's just, right. you are there to teach them how to fly and help them succeed at what they're doing. You are, Helping give someone a tool that they're going to use for the rest of their life. And it's not even that. I learned, I probably learned, like I said, I learned a lot while I was flying skydivers. But I'll tell you what, you become a CFI, wow, the things you learn. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, there's stuff I'll be doing. They'll ask me questions. And yeah, you do, and then I go back and find a different way of learning and showing them. And it makes me a better pilot as well. So it comes back more than just being a you know, making money, but it's come back making you a better pilot as a, you know, being an instructor as well. Definitely. What would you say some of the joys of being a CFI are? Like what's the best part of being a CFI? Uh, Watching somebody go from zero time to solo. Yeah. And then coming back and so And I think that actually the, even more than that is the first time they come back on a cross country and they are so excited about it. Uh, It's just, they're like, they couldn't believe it. You know, they, they could go that far, come back, and do it on their own. Yeah, that's got to be pretty cool to see. Now, what's the worst part of being a CFI? Are there, would you say there's one part that's like where you really don't look forward to? The hours. Yeah. The <laughs> commitment. Yeah. The commitment of the hours. Uh, and I, I've got, I know CFIs that they're like, man, I wish I had more hours. I wish I had more hours. I'm like, yeah, oh, well, maybe if you showed up out to the school every once in a while, you know, you might get more hours. <laughs> yeah. You've got to committed you know you got to commit to the students you got to commit to the the flight school uh, and i think that's where i get well i think for me being 24 years of a, as a soldier one thing they taught me was when you do your job you do it right get it done you know and be on time be there go the extra mile and it all comes back out and works for you um the hours do suck yeah. i mean i'm not gonna lie uh like today I got here at uh, 7.30. Uh, I had one student at 9. I got another one at 2.30. And uh, that's it for the day. But you'll get a call. Hey, man, can uh, we fly? I just got off work early. Okay. Yeah. So you got to be flexible. You got to be ready to go. Yeah. You're not going to be a great CFI if you just turn everybody back, turn them away. And I see that happen. A lot of the complaints I see about students is that, well, my CFI was never available or uh, they only had the two planes and and one was down for maintenance and one was, you know, gone all day or, you know, you've got to work around the schedule of your 
of your clients, of your students. You know, you don't have a choice. Um, Definitely. If you if you turn your students, and I've seen it, I've seen people turn. I've talked to my other. I've inherited students from other schools or uh, other instructors. Well, he was never around. We, you know, he he canceled on me all the time. He had to go away, or you know, then the weather, and then the plane broke, and it's like, wow, you know. Yeah, that goes back to what we we're talking about earlier about the outside factors that come into either even being a flight instructor and being a student. Like you, sometimes you can't count on your flight instructor or the maintenance or the weather. And then as a flight instructor, it might be the most beautiful day, but your student has something going on and they have to cancel on that. Or you personally don't want to fly in the pattern for eight hours, so you cancel on something. So there's just a lot of factors that go into getting your private, getting your instrument, getting your commercial, and getting all your training. Yeah, a, a lot. It goes, I mean, it's not an easy journey. And I think uh, I was listening to the drizzle talk about it, you know, yeah. uh, the other day. And, uh, you know, it, it's not an easy journey. Uh, it takes a lot of commitment, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of time. Um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't the fact that I didn't just think that I'm going to get it handed to me. Right. You know, um, yeah, you, you, you can't for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just go out there and say, all right, I'm going to get this. I, my dearest friend, love him to death, like a brother to me. And he wants his instrument rating and he's just been dragging his feet on it. You know, and, uh, it's like, get it done, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's, like, it's like what Nike, the yeah, Nike slogan, <laughs> just do it. Come on. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the same thing. A guy, a, a new student came into today and he, he's the one with 40 hours and he, uh, great guy. He, I felt bad for him. I said, man, 40 hours. And I was like, how soon do you want to get this? Well, I want to get it done quick. I'm like, that's right. Get it done as fast as you can, man. Don't drag it out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and anything you do, I mean, not just aviation, but, uh, like I, I did my bachelor's degree while I was on the road traveling with the gold Knights. Uh, I did it in three years. Uh, you know, get it done. You know, that's how, that's my goal. <laughs> my, my philosophy. For sure. Yeah. Get it done as fast as possible. It's going to pay off in the end. I promise you. And then yeah. um, going back to some other questions about being a CFI, what do you think new pilots struggle with the most when they're coming to you? Do you think it's the learning curve, learning how to study on their own? Is it the actual flying the plane? What do they struggle with the most? I probably the two biggest things I see is the learning on their own. Uh, the, the ground school portion of it. I've got five people right now ready to take a check ride. You got the hours ready to sign them up for the check ride. They haven't taken the written test. Yeah. It's the biggest thing hurdle that everybody struggles with that I've seen, uh, as far as being on the ground. Now the air portion, I think, and I'm sure a lot of C5s out there will say the same thing. It's like, can you just fly the plane straight and level? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Stop turn to the right. <laughs> right. It's like just, you know, just, just hold the plane where it is. Trim it out. It wants yeah. to be there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, everything else pretty much comes. The radio, you can see, you know, radios. I have one student that's really tough. He has a hard time with the radios. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is that getting that written test done for a lot of people. Uh, and I know, I know, like Jason Shepard, he always said he wouldn't start training with somebody until he got the written done. I don't know if I, I, I'm not a stickler on, you know, have the written done before you come to see me. Uh, I think it, you're not really going to, you're going to study that stuff, but you're not really going to understand it until you get in the plane for a lot of it, you know, um, looking at the weather, if, you know, how's he going to know what the weather he can fly in if he's never right. come out to look, you know, read a METAR or, uh, airspace or, uh, how the actual plane the angle of attack, you know, all that good stuff. Definitely. Never really understand it until you get actually get the plane right so i tell my guys you know i want you to be 
have that written up before we start going across countries. Yeah. You know, on that, yeah. uh, for some people, that's a week or two, you know. Yeah, depending on the time that they can commit and the weather that they get, that could be really fast. Right. And then, um, do you recommend your students use Shepard Air at all? Or do you just, would you rather than buy in a book and have to study the book and actually know the material? Uh, I, I go by uh, the individual, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I ask them how they learn. What's their best way to learn? Uh, that back to the FOI, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, grow, being in the Army, be, you know, the things I did in the Army and having soldiers under me and trying to teach them stuff, you, you gotta, you got to be able to understand what that, how that student learns. Uh, and major, majority of the people I send to are, are Jason Shepard, to be honest. Yeah. I, I send a lot of my students to him uh, because I, I think the way he instructs, the way the videos, they're – you know, let's get face it. Uh, King schools. I mean, everybody knows them. John and Martha King. Great people. Great, great instructions. But you know, you get a lot of people that like I can't can't deal with it. You know, and, it's all about presenting information. Kind of, it's like going back to your FOI. You got to figure yeah. out how people learn. And Jason's figured out how to maximize videos to to yep. everyone's needs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if there's a like, I have some older folks that uh, they learn better by reading. So I'll send them to you know, uh, getting the books at Sporties or or Glime or uh, you know. Nobody really for Shepherd Air. Uh, I haven't really sent anybody to them for for private, but uh, for like the instrument and on up, I'll I'll send them there to yeah, get their written. I would agree. I think it's important for your private, especially important for your private pilot license to really get the foundation and to understand what's happening. And then once you get a little farther on and you kind of have that basic foundation of flying, you can use Shepherd Air because I mean Shepherd Air all it really does is it just has you memorize all the answers. We all know yeah, that. Yeah. So you're not, really, that. you're not really <laughs> learning anything. It's a good way to pass your your written and everything, written. but you're not yeah. really learning anything. And I mean no. that's fine. Like I'm not knocking a Shepherd Air. I use Shepherd Air and it was amazing. It let me get really high scores on all my writtens, but I also knew the material on the backside of that. So because yes. in the in the when you do your oral, they're going to ask you questions that were on the written or similar situations that were on the written. And you're going to have to know that you can't just say, Oh, he said figure 37. So it's always C, you know, you gotta, you gotta know what's going on. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, one thing I do and I'm, you know, and Jason always says that good pie is always learning thing in mantra. And I'm, I agree with that. You know, it's like, even though you got your private, you got your instrument, you got your commercial or your CFI, you still got to learn. You still got to keep up with it. And, uh, you know, those, those applications like Shepard Air, they help you, but you still got to go back and, and, you know, read the material, learn it. And for one thing, my, like my, my daughter, she'll come in, I'll be watching, I'll watch YouTube flying videos all day long. And it's like, really, dad, you, you do that all day long and you're going to, you come home and watch it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm learning. I love learning. it. Yeah. Got to be around it. You always got trying to get better at something, right? Right. Yeah. Now with, um, say with students with their first private pilot check ride, when they go to take that, they're really nervous. They don't know what to expect. When they get back from their check ride, do they usually think it was easier than they thought it was going to be? Or do they think it was as tough as they thought? All of my students come back going, I can't believe I was that nervous Yeah, for nothing. You know, they've all come back and, uh, uh, happy or like, wow, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I'd be like, I told you so. And, uh, and they're like, you're, you were right. You're right. I got all nervous. And I always tell my students, just think of it as me in the plane with you. Exactly. You know? You've done these you know? maneuvers over and over and over again with your instructor in the plane. Your instructor wouldn't sign you off to take the check ride unless he knew you'd be able to pass the check ride. So right. just act like he's in the plane and it does, the nerves will kind of settle down a little bit. Right. Exactly. And we, that's why I tell every one of them, uh, and I, I said, look, you know, you're not going to expect to know every little 
thing there is. I mean, even a CFI doesn't know everything. He doesn't know the far aim by heart. Right. As long as you know, do what you do, know what you've been doing. Don't change anything up right now. <laughs> it's not not the time to try something new, uh, you know, for a landing or a maneuver. Yeah. You're going to find, I'm going to send you, I'm not going to send you the fail. I know. Right. And examiners, uh, like you said earlier, examiners yeah. know you're not going to know everything. They know it's going to, they want to see how you respond. Flying is all about adversity right. and how you respond to certain situations. And they want to get you to kind of, they want to get you thinking and they want to hear your thought process. They want to hear how you think and how you think through situations and think through problems. So if you can just maintain your cool and you can be like, Hey, I actually don't know that, but I know exactly where I can go to find that. They would be perfectly fine with that answer. Yeah, exactly. And I, that's what I tell my students. I'm like, look, I'm giving you all the material I give you. We have, I have every one of my students writes a note. Uh, we call it, I call it in the army. We call it AARs after action review. Uh, basically, uh, write down everything you did right after you get done with the, the, the check ride. Yeah. Go home. Think about it. Once you, once you calm down write everything down and then they, they email it to me and I put a list together and it's pretty much the same thing every single time. And I'm like, look, you've got all everything that's going to be asked you. Now he does do one thing and that's he'll throw out a, a surprise question to everybody. You never know what it's going to be. It's one of those gotcha things. Yeah. And, uh, I don't expect you to, if you know it, great. If you don't, he's not going to fail you for no. it. And so don't talk don't, yourself don't. into a hole either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain point where you reach where you can never go back. So sometimes it's oh, best yeah. just to keep your mouth shut and be like, Oh yeah, let's look it up. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And in the army, we have a saying, you know, I don't know it right now, but I can tell you what, if you give me a chance to look at the, at the, well, we regulations are the far aim. I can give you, I'll get back to you with it. You know, that's why I tell my students, you know, look, that far aim is right there for you to use. You don't pull it out yeah. if he wants to know. Yeah. You know. Every pilot, like you said earlier, no pilot knows everything and no one's expecting you to know everything. And that's just through your whole career, but you have the resources at hand to find out what you need to know and you need to know right. how to use them. Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, so kind of talked about the private pilot check ride and everything. Would they say, would you say that your students think that the commercial check ride is easiest as well? Or which one of the three would they say is the hardest? Um, well, instrument, I believe, is, is the hardest one. The commercial, uh, I think everybody gets in the commercial one, they all get worried that, oh, I'm going to get asked all these technical questions, and, and really they don't. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, you know, it's pretty simple. I, I think everybody thinks the private's the hardest until they go do the other ones because they don't know any better, right? Yeah, they don't and, know what to uh, expect. Yeah, but I think that I think overall the instrument probably is the toughest check ride. I would say the instrument is probably my toughest check ride I've ever taken, even with my CFI. Yeah. Uh, the CFI was tough. Don't get me wrong. It was a five-hour brutal oral. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, and a two-and-a-half-hour flight portion. I mean, that was tough. But I think it was more than I was prepped and ready. I knew everything. And uh, it was more of a discussion thing than it was a question-answer thing. Um, it was more of a how are you going to present this information to a student that doesn't know anything or situations yeah. and scenarios. Did you have, have you have any really good stories about students that have tried to kill you? Not necessarily really try to kill you, but just kind of do something pretty funny in the plane that you have to kind of swiftly come in and save the day. Oh, they all try to kill you the first few hours, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Especially when you first try to land, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, the, my very first student, my first hour of flight instruction given, I thought I was going to die. I mean, literally, uh, the I had that, that moment flash, you know, through your head like well this is it <laughs> uh, <laughs> i lived a good life and uh, yeah so at least i got one hour of flight instruction in right, right uh, yeah. 
but uh, my the guy that I took over for here at the school, he's like, Dave, uh, here I want you I want you to fly with this guy, and then uh, uh, I I'm gonna just warn you right up front. I, I'm I apologize. And I was like, what? He goes, well, I just can't get. I, I I'm just having struggles with him to get him to land. I was like, okay, I'm all gung ho, ready to go. And like, yeah, come on, let's go. You know, I got him. We'll be fine. Yeah, piece of cake, right? Holy crap. We went out in the pattern. <laughs> <laughs> we got out. We took off. We come around. And just, I mean, I even had the the Hobbs meter hadn't even changed yet. I'm in point one and it hadn't even changed to point two yet and thinking, it's going to be great. You know, and <laughs> we come in for a final and we are literally about 100 feet off the ground, 200 feet max, short final. And I said, I'm talking them through. I said, all right, pull the power back, throttle back, you know, keep that nose down. Because he was pitching up, yeah, like students do, and uh, I said, "Keep the nose down, keep the nose down." And he—I don't know if he hurt. He thought I said full throttle, nose down, and that's exactly what he did. Oh no! He full—he full throttled it, firewalled it, pushing nose. I mean, we were literally probably forty-five degree pitched nose down at two hundred feet above the ground. Yeah, with full, <laughs> with yanked, full throttle. Full throttle. Yeah, I yanked the controls away from him. I pitched up. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, and then you almost get into a power on stall by trying to save it out of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, my God, this is how it's going to be, right? Yeah. And uh, Welcome to flight instructing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, I got back. I said, you made him do that, didn't you? He goes, do what? I said, he darn near killed me. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh, that's why I gave him to you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, you get the, the flight. The students that try to kill you are always fun. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, I had another one. He's a young kid. Um, he, uh, I go out and fly with him and you know, he's got a lot of questions. He's never been in a small airplane before and he's just looking out the windows. And usually the first hour I'd just say, Hey, enjoy the view, fly around, you know, and if they start getting off course or whatever, I'll take over and, you know, just want them to get intro to the plane, see how it feels. Well, he kept looking out the window the whole time. I'm like, you know, we got still got to fly here. <laughs> and, uh, so we get in the pattern to come into land, and I, same thing, short final, and he his head is looking out the left window. I think he saw a squirrel or something. He's like, oh, look at that over there. And I'm like, hey, 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 pay attention. They're like, you know what we're doing, right? We're trying to land the plane. <laughs> yeah. And so he did that once, and I thought, okay, I got his attention. Well, we, next day he comes out, we fly again, because he was gung-ho. He was coming out to fly every day. I was like, okay, this kid's going to want to get done quick. Yeah. Same thing. I was like, okay, we got to have a little discussion here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we got to nip this in the butt fast. Yeah. It's like I'm about to pull out my army my army training yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, man, come on. Yeah. You got to pay attention. This isn't a car, you know? No. And uh, so we, he, he does a little bit better. And then a the couple weeks later, he comes back out. We fly again. And, and this is like the third or fourth flight with him. And uh, uh, we're flying. And next thing you know, he just pulls out his phone and starts texting. What? His friend. Yeah. And I said, hey, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just texting my girlfriend. I want to take a picture and send it to her. I just wanted to tell her I was up in the plane. Put that phone away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And I got on the ground, and we had a discussion. And, and I, like, I, I, I pawned him off to one of the other instructors. I said, I can't deal with this kid. <laughs> you have to know what's – like you can't just pull out your phone, especially when you don't even know how to fly. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've uh, – I, out of the – I probably had about 60 students. Uh, he's the only one I had to pawn off to somebody else. Yeah. You know, well, but, hopefully uh, he figured it out. Yeah. I mean, he's still flying. He comes around every once in a while, but yeah. uh, he's 17 years old, about to graduate. The first thing he asked me is, 
all right, so when I get this done, how soon can I be an airline pilot? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I said about, he said, by the end of the summer? I'm like, end what? of summer. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you have a, don't have a real yeah. grasp on what this career is like. No, I told him, I said, how about two years from now? Yeah. He's like, what? If you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. If you can get the hours and you become a flight instructor, I said, you might be able to get it in two years. If you're, Maybe. If the stars align, you can be an airline yeah. pilot. And he was probably meaning, when can I fly the 787 for American yeah, oh, Airlines? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He you wasn't know. talking about the CRJ200 for Envoy oh, or oh. for whatever airline. Yeah, flying to Europe you know, every week. Yeah. You know, that, Man, yeah. But, Sometimes... I'm sure, I think Instagram actually plays a part in that. And I've talked about it with uh, some other people like I'm the Drizzle and the yep. Stabilizer Motion about how the yep. Instagram community sometimes doesn't portray the real, like a real life of a pilot and how there's certain accounts that do, but other ones are just taking cool photos from here, but they don't show that it takes a long time for them to get where they are. And that's one of the cool things about the podcast is that you can hear someone's individual story that you've been following for a long time and you can see that they've had setbacks, they've had issues when they're flying, that it wasn't as glorious and glamorous as it looks on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a lot of those out there where there's just, uh, you know, they're all these great places or, you know, they're at the beach or they're visiting these cool sites. It's like, you don't really realize the, all those times in between what's going on, you know? Uh, so yeah, the drizzle, I've been following him. I, I started following him about probably about two or three months ago. And uh, I love it. Yeah, he, uh, Him and Kurt are really funny. I, oh, yeah. I love following yeah. them. Yep. You got to um, you got to have a sense of humor when you come into this industry though cuz things are going to it's not always going to be happy. You have to smile through it and fake a grin every once in a while. Yep, exactly. I've got a couple friends that are uh one works for Spirit, one works for American. Um I've got a couple other that work for the regionals and uh, they all, you know, they're like, "Look, it's it is what it is, you know. Some days are going to be good, you're going to have some really crappy days, especially if you're a commuter." That you're not going to get home, you know. Definitely, things aren't always going to go well. Yeah, but that's just like every other career, and like we said earlier, aviation's all about adversity, and things change at the snap of a finger. So you need to be willing to change with it. Right, exactly. And you know, for me, that's why I think the airlines. Be, I think I'm going to love. I, I say that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it'll be okay for me because I'm used to things changing all the time. I'm, uh, you know, 24 years in the army, it teaches you a lot of things other than just your job. I'll yep. tell you, uh, being flexible, um, you know, being willing to travel, be away all the time and Definitely. that type of thing. And I'm not, that doesn't bother me one, one bit. Well, that's so. good. You sound like, yeah, you might be set up for the airlines pretty well. Yeah. Well, cool. I have a little rapid fire section here for you real quick. It's just really simple okay. questions. And just the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What's your favorite airplane? Uh, whether I fly it or not. Uh, so this would be your favorite airplane that you just favorite airplane in general. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I want the PC 12 bad. Yeah. I am lucky enough to fly that plane and I will tell you that it is so much fun to fly and I'm flying the old ones and they're still fun to fly. So I can only imagine the new ones are even more fun to fly. Yeah. That'd be the work plane or, you know, or a semi work plane, I guess. But if I ever won the lottery, I'm buying a PC-12. Oh, without a doubt. I might buy a PC-24 now that that jet's coming out, but a PC-12 would be something I would definitely want to buy because you can do anything in that plane and you can take a lot. You can land anywhere. It's just incredible. Yep. Yep. All right. What's, um, what's the favorite airplane that you fly right now? Um, or half flown, sorry. Oh, half flown. Uh, well, does the F-16 count? It does. 
<laughs> I got For an sure. hour and a half in one. <laughs> there, that's that's awesome. I don't. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, realistically, uh, I own a Piper Warrior. Love it. Uh, it's a great running plane. It's a great plane. It's very stable. Uh, good trainer too. Yeah. But we train out of we train with a Cessna one Cessna aircraft. So I've flown them both. So they're you know not really. I don't really have a favorite both. I have to say because I own one, it'd be Piper. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. I was like, and going on to that, would you like Piper or Cessna better? But you like Piper better, correct? Yeah, I mean, I like the low wing better. Yeah, um, because you can see more. Yeah, I do enjoy I a low I've, wing plane. Yeah, I think uh, I think you can see more, it's safer. Um, everybody says, well, you can't look straight down. Eh, I tend to disagree with that because you you can see straight down if you look ahead a little bit. Yeah. You know, and how many. How often are you looking straight down below the wheel well, the wheels of a Cessna 172? Right. Not very often, right? Not unless you're flying in bad weather and you need to see if you have ice on your wheel. <laughs> yeah. And I like to see the runway when I land yeah. on base to final. Yeah, for sure. All right, here's one. What's your favorite aviation instrument count that you follow? Uh, there's so many, but uh, I would have to say uh, Dion Mitten's got some awesome pictures. Dion Mitten does uh, have on yeah. some awesome pictures. Yeah, uh, and uh, Aviator uh, Cast, he's pretty good. Yep. Angle of Attack. Yeah, Chris Angle Palmer. of Attack. I do like Angle yeah. of Attack. I'm trying to get him on the podcast so he can he- tell his story too. Uh, well, I'll text him today and I'll let him know. There you go. Get him on. Yeah, he actually came here to uh, – he interviewed me back, I don't know when it was, December, January, somewhere around there. And then uh, uh, came and actually came to my school for a few days. We flew my plane over to first flight and then down to sun and fun together. Nice. That's then, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Well tell him, uh, tell him when he gets on the podcast, tell him that uh, okay. it'll be good. <laughs> okay. Do you prefer long trips or short trips? I would have to say long trips because I, I get enough of short trips every day. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're tired of those one hour. Flights. Yeah. And I can go to, I can go to the uh, 50 mile trips that we, we go to Florence, South Carolina and Wilmington almost oh two, three gosh, times a week, yeah. you know. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you guys use, do you guys do your check rides out of Florence? Uh, sometimes, but do the majority of it. Joey Rogers by any chance? Yes. Yeah, I, we took, sure do. I took my instrument, my commercial, my multi-engine commercial with Joey Rogers. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I yep. love Joey. I actually just messaged yep. him on Facebook that I want to interview him. So if you see him as well, tell him that I want to, okay. that his former, uh, I don't even know what to call myself, but that someone Steve. that he's done check rides for <laughs> is doing a podcast and I want to interview him because I think he is a really cool story. I think he was at one time the youngest DP in the country. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it'd be pretty I cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. I could be yeah. totally wrong. So you're going to ask him that and be like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do love going cross country. I, I like to have a, a destination and a, and a mission to go somewhere for you sure. Know? Yep. Uh, it's, it's so much fun. The planning, the, just the flying portion of the see different things. Yeah. Um, and I was on the golden Knights, we'd fly from, it'd take us two days to go East coast to West coast. Yeah. Uh, and for some reason we always stopped in Las Vegas. I'm not sure why, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the draw is to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love getting up there and just seeing everything, you know, yeah. what, what the United States has, you know, we're overseas, but yeah, all right, I got two more for you. Would you rather fly over cities, mountains, country, or the beach? Ooh. Uh, I would have to say I've never flown in the mountains personally. I've been in planes over the mountains, but uh, I think that would be pretty fun to go in, and do that. Uh, I get enough country. It's flat out here in the East Coast. Yep. So uh, it would be cool to see new things. And that's why I'm jealous of Chris Palmer yeah, flying in. In Alaska. Yeah. He's, yeah, the videos yep. that he's producing are really cool to see what it's like to fly up there. Yeah, yep. 
What is one thing you always have to have on your person while flying? Could be an iPad, sunglasses, GoPro, watch, phone. It would be my iPhone. Yeah. Because it does everything. It's got my four flight. Uh, I can make a call if I need to. Uh, I can continue to do business if I need to. For sure. Uh, Yeah, right. You know, it's the perfect tool, right? Yep, that it is. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun to talk with you. And it was really cool to see how aviation has always kind of been in the back of your mind and you kind of chose different paths. And then when you were 42, you decided that this is the career that you wanted to do and you have just gone after it as fast as possible. It's, it's really inspiring to hear that. I know that there are other students out there that might be in their 40s or might be in their 30s and think that it's too late for them. But you're kind of a testament to the fact that it's not too late. And the fact that you want to go to the airlines is really cool too. And just that you want to continue pursuing your aviation dreams. So kudos to you for that. And I think that this, this episode will really help those people out in general, knowing that this is an option and this is what you can do. One thing before we go is, uh, why don't you go ahead and say where your flight instructor out of in case anyone wants to come, uh, train with the pro. Yeah. I want to know about pro, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate all that, man. And, uh, never too young to start or too old to start. Uh, but I, I flight train out of Kate, uh, um, Cape Fear Aviation Flight Training out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, to Golf Charlie, the airport. Uh, they can look us up at capefearaviation.com. Um, they can find me on, if anybody's got any questions, uh, if it's about voc rehab, uh, GI Bill, or just flight instruction or training or any of that, you can get, uh, the best place to get a hold of me is on uh, Twitter or uh, Instagram at, and, my, and the account's at GKDave. Uh, or they can just get on the website, our website and email us comes directly to me. Nice. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I've really had a lot of fun talking with you. And as you know, I am from North Carolina. If I'm ever back and if I'm ever flying in the area, I'm definitely gonna give you a call. It'd be fun to go up with you. Yeah. You got to come check out the school. I don't, I didn't, we didn't really talk about the flight school here, but, uh, we have a 30 foot wide runway, 3000 feet with 50 foot obstacles at either end. Nice. That's very similar to where I land PC-12s right now. It's, uh, it's oh, very, kidding. very small. It's uh, 3,500 feet long. It has power lines on one end and a big tree on the other end. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. Well, cool, man. Well, I, like I said, I really appreciate you coming to the podcast. And um, hopefully someday we can talk again. We can figure out how yeah. we can talk about your process going to the airlines. Oh, that sounds great. I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm just a nobody. And I was very thrilled and honored that you contacted me and uh, enjoyed it for sure i mean everyone has an interesting story like you said like it's crazy how we all do the same thing but if you take 10 pilots in a room you're going to find seven or eight different paths that they took to get to where they went right so exactly it doesn't matter if you have a million followers or a hundred followers you still have a story to tell and it could help inspire someone yeah exactly and uh you know you're doing a great job love the podcast man thanks for having me on no again problem. i really appreciate it and uh, have a good day all right you too all right and that is a wrap of episode 19. Avi Nation, thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. I'm truly honored that you guys love this podcast, and I, I challenge you to share it with as many aviators as possible. Let's get this out there. Let's let everyone hear this podcast so we can inspire and encourage anyone to get into this career. And as Dave said in the podcast, it's never too late to start. Dave started at age 42, so if you know someone that's 43 or in their 30s looking at, or thinking about a career change, share this episode with them. Let them know that it's possible. Dave is a true testament to that fact as he's now working for a regional airline and he did start later in his career, which is just awesome to hear. And Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Guys, thank you for your support. Thank you for everything. Aviation, you guys are the best. Happy flying.